Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at northeastscene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. And on today's show, we have a very special guest, melodic hardcore band Chiefland, joining us all the way from Germany. Yo, I had no idea they were from Germany until I was messaging them, like, to book them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I actually, so probably about 20 minutes before we went on, uh, I looked them up. Yeah. And I was on their website and I clicked on the one thing that it actually didn't make sense to me. I forget what the, you know, how like there's different tabs you can click on. And it was like obvious ones like merch about that kind of stuff. Yes. One of them was like clearly not an English word. And I clicked on it and I was like, what is this? And then at the top, Google came up with like a pre uh, made message that said, would you like to translate this page? And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> do these dudes speak English? <laughs> This is going to be a fucking problem. I had that thought. I had that thought too, but I was like, wait, I'm messaging them and they're messaging me back in English. Like, duh, it's not going to be a problem. Well, it's funny. Uh, So I was actually, I I mentioned it in the show, but my, so my cousin Billy um, is, and it was, well, he's retired now, but he was an attorney for the Marine Corps. And for a long period of time, he raised his family in Germany where he was stationed. And um, that was one of the things that I thought was crazy is, you know, all three of his kids went to school in Germany. I was like, oh, do they speak German? He's like, no. <laughs> like, and he said it like, how do you, why would you think that? And I'm like, he's like, yeah, all, like almost all of their instruction is in English. And I was like, really? See, really? I, if I was, yeah, if I was living in a foreign country, I would want to know the language of so, that country. So they, they did learn uh, like German so that they're conversational. Oh, good. Um, because, I mean, they lived there for, I don't know. I, I I'm guessing at it, but but between seven and ten years they were there. Okay. Um, but uh, I know, like just talking to him, he was like, he's like, dude, it's everybody speaks English here. Like he's like, it would be uncommon to go to a place where no one spoke enough English for you to get by. It's like <laughs> really, like that's that is kind of like we're like the only asshole country who refuses to speak any other language. Dude, I I literally I I teach a class. Um, one of my classes during the day and more than uh, more than half of my students are bilingual. And uh, I remember like just talking the one day and I was like, one of the girls answered and I think they had come from Spanish class or they were going to Spanish class. And she was kind of like in that mindset. And she wrote in the chat on the Google meet in Spanish. And I was like, uh, no habla espanol. And she wrote in the chat, hablo. And I was like, 
I'm a dick. Like, I don't even know how to think even stuff that I heard a billion times. I don't even fucking say right. Like, it's, <laughs> like, and it's, it is a shame because like, you know, I, even when I was younger, I used to be like, how come they don't speak English? And it's like, you know what? God damn it. Like, how well do you speak their language? Like, exactly. You don't speak a goddamn word of another language. You were lucky enough to be able to, you know, learn English at home. Like, a lot of my, like, you know, not a lot, but there's a good percentage of my kids that, like, at home, no one, not many people in the home speak English. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, I always get a little nervous during parent teacher conferences because, especially if a kid's, like, not doing well, they're my translator. <laughs> and I'm like, telling them, like, hey, tell them you don't do homework. Yeah, and I'm like, why would the kid do that? I'd be like, you know, hey, mom, he's saying everything's fine. She'd be like, why does he look so concerned? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, but it's funny. Now it's so much easier with um, bringing like uh, just having the screen share, so I can just be like, here's their grades, here's what they've turned in, here's what they've missed, here's their scores on the major assessments. Like, all right, so something happened, and I want to get your opinion. Yeah, last night. A member of my family texted me, and they were like, hey, you know, would it be cool if I stayed with you for a week? And, you know, they gave me an out, too. They're like, oh, I can get a hotel if you can't, and all that stuff. And I I said no. Because, <laughs> like, you know, R- Romy, this member of my family knows Romy, too, so... But she's got a roommate right now. She's got an extra room, but she has a roommate right now. And... I've got a one-bedroom apartment, I have one bed, and I have a couch. Last time I moved the couch, I think the movers lost the the pieces that connected underneath, so it's in three pieces, and it doesn't, like, stay together if you move around a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a sectional kind of thing, yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, so it's not comfortable to sleep on. So I said, no, I said, said, I'm sorry, I can't this week, and I felt like a dick, but my whole mental stability kind of depends on rigorous scheduling that stays the same every week. Like, you know, I'm at Romy's house on the weekends and then I'm here during the week. I work, I do this podcast. I edit this podcast. I have stuff I do Tuesday night, Thursday night. There's a lot of editing. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, and I, plus I'm working from home. So it's not like I'm not here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know, I, I feel kind of bad, but I just, I said I can't do it. What would you have done in that situation? I, this with is one, my, I with one a, day notice. This is my thing. I only have one question about it. Yes. It, would this person be like using your uh, apartment to kind of just like crash at at night and then be doing something during the day, like going to work or going out and sightseeing or whatever, or are they just coming to hang out with you for a week? I didn't ask. Okay. See, that's the qualifier for me. Cause if they're like, Hey, I have business up there and I just need a, a place to sleep at. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Because you won't be in my way during the day. Cause obviously you're going to be, you know, doing whatever you need to do. Um, if they were coming up and were like, wanted to spend time with me, no, <laughs> like, especially if I, yeah, I didn't ask. I, I envisioned us sitting in the same room all day. And then I've, you know, since she knows, or since this person knows Romy, I envisioned like, oh, now we have to go out to dinner somewhere and you oh, can't no. eat inside anywhere and I'm not going to sit out in the freezing cold to oh, eat. No. And it was, I just, I couldn't handle it. So I, I said, I'm sorry, I can't this week, which think- is true. I mean, I, I don't 
have the setup. It's not like I have a big place with an extra room. Yeah, I think you made the right decision. Um, if I was in that situation, I don't know. See, I between my stepsisters and my and my regular sisters, uh, we get along really well, except for one of my sisters. Yes, and we have an entirely different room in the basement. Like they have their own shower, their own bathroom, their own bed, their own refrigerator. Like everything they need would be in the basement. So. Yes. I would be okay with it if in my situation, but if it was yours, no. I, I actually I would have <laughs> I would have made the same decision for sure. Because it's not a it's imposing, but it's also like I don't really I don't want to have someone in my personal space, especially when you're talking about a one bedroom apartment. There's not much space. I don't like exactly. that. Exactly. And I yeah, it's I mean New York City's a different animal and I'm just fiercely protective of my my time during the week uh when I work and do this thing and and everything else and you know yeah i it's like my i can't handle any variation in the week like even when romy's like hey we should go on this trip or these people want to hang out with us i'm like <gasps> like my I'll, my whole world yeah. comes crumbling down i'm like what when how I, long like I, it's a big deal i gave i'll give you this is kind of like an analogy i did this once um it wasn't for, it was only for a week, but it was, I had been asked by a supervisor at work if a student from Princeton could come in and observe my class for the week. And I said, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I'm thinking like usual observations when student teachers come in are like, they come in for one class and then they leave. That's it. Um, this person like literally was like a resident. Like they came in and sat in my class all day mm -hmm. and then would go to uh, when I wasn't teaching, they would go to the reading class next door. And I remember the first day they interjected like 10 times while I was teaching. And, and I remember sitting at my desk at the end of the first day and I went, fuck, there's four more days of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was only Monday and I was like, I made a horrible, I, it was the, I want to seem agreeable and want to seem like a team player, but I really regretted it as soon as I did it. And I was like, God. Damn That's it. the worst. I had a coworker who I could not get through four words without um Keith uh like and I'd be like yes <laughs> like <laughs> you know so it was it's that's hard that's a tough situation and you know I understand married people like yourself now who yeah. are busy and everything has to be scheduled because I used to make fun of all my married friends and I'd be like they get married they have kids and you never see them again and I get it now because I'm in a relationship. Romy has a child. We have stuff that we do. And, you know, like I remember, I would used to just like go to Oscars in Center City in Philly. And if, you know, if I was on the right combination of drugs and alcohol, I'd, I'd be in the the mood to see people. And I'd just start texting people like, hey, let's hang out. Hey, what are you doing? And they'd be like, hey, give me some more notice next time. And I'm like, what the fuck is notice? Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean? And, and I'm like, nowadays, I'm like offended if someone asks me to hang out. Like... My friend hit me up this afternoon and he's like, Hey, I'm going to see this guy spin. Like, do you want to go? And I was like, I was like, what? It's Monday afternoon. Like I'm, I'm working. Kelly, Kelly always hears this. She does an impression of me, which is not like Kelly's thing, but she does this thing where she goes, I know when you really don't like something, because when you answer it, you go like this. No. <laughs> yeah. You, you do that on this show. You'll be like, no, no. 
Why would you do that? No. Like she's like, it's just this exaggerated way of you being like very obnoxious about it. I'm like, wait, I have so I have a I have a little bit of a moral quandary for you. Yeah. So I've been going to the skate park every weekend, um, Saturdays and Sunday mornings. I bring Ellie with me one of those days because she really can't because we do have to be up at like six to go, right? So yeah. she only wa- I'm like, look, you gotta sleep in, like take pick one day. So uh we went last weekend and we went this weekend both weekends when we showed up at the skate park um there were like clothes and shoes and like garbage kind of all laid around so like i hate when we go there and it looks like that so i keep rubber gloves in my car so i always clean up the park and they're nice enough they leave really big trash cans out there and they empty them pretty frequently so i picked up all the trash and i there was like a bunch of jackets and like crap laying around and i was like all right, let me just take this and like fold them up and put them over here. And the one thing I was like, oh, there's a clothing bin for donation in the same parking lot. So I was like, fuck, if you're irresponsible enough to leave your fucking $80 North Face jacket here, I'm fucking giving it to charity. (laughs) So (laughs) I fucking threw like four of them in the fucking donation bin and I came home and Ellie, you know, like you can't tell a kid something and then be like, keep the secret. So yeah. like as soon as she walks in the door, she's like, mommy, we donated clothes to the homeless. And I was like, well, okay. And my wife's like, where did you get clothes from? I'm like, they were at the skate park just laying there. And she's like, oh my God, those are some poor kids that just left them there. And now they're going to go home and it's probably a Christmas present. And she like guilted me into it. And I was like, but I felt like I did the right thing in the moment. Like the place should be clean. It should look nice. It's a free fucking park. Like you shouldn't leave your trash around and you shouldn't leave your shit there. If you're fucking irresponsible enough to leave your shit there, I'm fucking taking it. Like I'm, I'm doing the proper thing with it. What do you think? Did the jackets look new? Yeah. Like brand new. The one looked Uh, fucking brand new, dude. I, I probably would have left them because yeah, I don't know. I, I I would think maybe someone's coming back for it. I, and I'm I, I'm saying this from an outside perspective. I wasn't in the actual situation. Yeah, of course not. But it's like I always think like, all right, I'm now I'm leaving it here for the next person to steal it from that person. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm because it's it's by the time we're leaving, there's probably like two to three other skaters there or people on bikes or rollerbladers or something, right? Like, yeah. In my head, I'm going like. <sighs> somebody else is going to take this and they're going to like take it take it like i think you just got to leave it because hopefully the kid hopefully the kid comes back for it so and that's exactly what we did today we went to so we went to the skate park this morning and then we went to on the other side of the skate park it's a big huge like township park they have this new soccer thing that they put in it's really cool um it's like a electronic wall and it has different squares on it so you press a button and it plays games so it'll light up a square and you have to kick the ball and hit that square and every time you knock out a square it lights up a new one it's really fun it has music it's interactive ellie loves it so we're over there playing and she was like, oh, daddy, look. And somebody's literally brand new North Face, like nice, like parka is sitting on the bench. And then she was like, 
should we put it in the donation thing? And I was like, no, I got yelled at for that last week. I was like, we're full. <laughs> like, I was like, we're leaving it right there. We're not touching it. I was like, and the other thing was that kept me from doing it. I was like, I didn't have any gloves in the car. I forgot to put new rubber gloves in the car. So I was like, I'm not touching somebody's fucking random ass clothes. Like maybe the reason they left them here is because they peed on them or something. Like I ain't, I'm not touching that shit. Like, so I was like, I'll just leave it right there. Let's just let it go. And she's like, yeah, but what if somebody like could use it? I'm like, well, somebody left it here that should be using it. Maybe they're going to come back and get it today. And she was like, yeah, you leave it, and if it's there again the next week, then you get rid of it. If it's here when we come back, it's ours. <laughs> oh, that was that was a good that was a very good ref. Oh, by the way, yes, Garrett Garrett from uh, Texas is the reason did a live stream last night, uh-huh. and he played like acoustic Celia songs, acoustic Texas songs. I couldn't uh, stay for the whole thing, but that's the ver- that's the first artist live stream I've ever watched. Oh, and really? it was awesome. Yeah, and he played that song. I see. I never. Um, whenever it says somebody's going live, yeah, I always just ignore it. Me too. Uh, unless it's Anthony. <laughs> I'll, once in a while, I'll click on Anthony's and just like plug yeah. him and say funny shit in the chat. But yeah, if if I see Garrett from Texas is the reason is doing a, a live stream, I got to jump on that. It was awesome. So shout out to Garrett. All right. So here's our conversation with Chiefland. Enjoy. All right, folks, so we're here now with Achim, a.k.a. Hans Partik, and Corwin Sandiford from Chiefland, coming to us all the way from Göttingen, Germany. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Not too bad, not too bad. We've been uh, hanging in the studio this weekend, um, recording uh, some singles. Oh, that's exciting. So what? let's get right into it. What... Are we so we're recording some singles? Is it going to be like an EP or an LP or something like that? Oh, we're going to release a single in spring, and mm-hmm. the other single which we're recording right now is just to have something as a backup, and we're going to put it out later this year probably. And yeah, it's just some it's kind of like a kickoff for for our upcoming album, just to check everything, just to get get the vibe of the album right, and it's going to be like the foundation we're working with in the future, yeah. Yeah, basically a precursor to what will be the album. That's excellent. That's exciting news. Yeah, I discovered your 2019 LP, Wildflowers, through the recommendation of a friend, and I was just instantly grabbed by it. It has all the elements that I love so much, like hardcore you know, emo, the emotional side of it. It was just like, yeah, I was just instantly gripped by it. Thank you so much, man. You guys yeah. do a good job of the atmospheric kind of stuff too, as well. There's a oh, yeah. definite feel when you listen to your songs that comes, definitely comes through when you listen. Thank you. Yeah. Like we, we, there was in the beginning of a band, it was this like soul searching. What do we want to do? What do like, what atmosphere do we like want to create? for us but also like for the listeners and it's always nice hearing people grasping what we're trying to do and like getting hooked on it yeah you know i go by like feeling whenever i'm whenever i come across a new band and i just get like an emotional feeling from it like some kind of connection i know on some degree i'm going to connect with the people in this band and what they're trying to put across and that's how i felt when i heard this song cathedrals because oh yeah that's a song i that's a song i go back to over and over and over again and i'm just like this is hitting 
all the marks that I love the best. Because I got into hardcore when there was a lot of emo influence, you know, a lot of metal influence. So when you put all those things together, it's just, you know, it's just hitting all the right marks for what I'm looking for. What was kind of like the um, the thing or the elements that really that really struck you or that really strike you while listening to that song? That would be that would be interesting for us to know. Well, first, kind of the spoken word, kind of how you're doing the spoken word thing in the beginning. You know, that's that's something you don't hear very often these days. Yeah, that used to be like a kind of go-to thing with like Rites of Spring and that kind of stuff where there was that spoken part in between the kind of screamier parts. And it's that's definitely very, very cool. Because we were drawing it from um, like the all the wave bands, like the new wave of hardcore, like Touche, Amore, um, La Dispute, bands like these. They've been like a major influence for us and are still to that day. So it's always some really great tracks or really great bands we go back to every now and then so i like that i like that and you know what let's take it back a little bit so you guys uh you live do you live all live in uh gotingen germany no actually um our band is kind of divided and spread out over germany or the northern part of germany so i moved uh, to leipzig which is like in the east uh, Kim or uh, Hans is living like in the middle-ish northern part, um, Brunswick. You guys know Jägermeister, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, the, the Jägermeister headquarters are actually nearby. It's about 10 minutes. So, <laughs> Do you ever go there? Or is it just like too common? No, I was there. It's it's really interesting. They have like guided tours and things like that. And you enter the building and you instantly smell Jägermeister and you get a headache <laughs> after 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I, you know, it was really funny. I was I was looking you guys up before just doing some research before we came. And uh, one of the things that I saw was like uh, the, the area you guys are from, or at least the way it was listed on the website, uh, said like a university kind of city. Like there's a lot of universities and it's home to the Max Planck Institute. That's one of those pl things that like, I remember from physics when I was in high school that I absolutely <laughs> was just fascinated with. And then uh, my, like my cousin is uh, a, a JAG attorney. He works for the Marine Corps mm -hmm. and he's, he was stationed in Germany and he, that was his favorite place. He always used to go and visit there and he was like, he would take pictures and just send them to me all the time. Well, he, you know, he thought the beautiful thing about, you know, he had grown up around like where we were from, like uh, outside of Philadelphia. Well, Keith's now in, in uh, New York city, but um, he thought the beautiful thing was like, you know, when he had, you know, a longer weekend, three, four days, um, he would just get a trans pass and just travel all over Europe. And he thought that was the most interesting thing in the world is you could be in Germany one day and then go visit Austria for the weekend or go visit Luxembourg or go visit. You know, he, he was like, he was fascinated by that. And he was, he also was like enamored with the, the railway system, which we don't really have in the United States. We have high speed trains, but we don't have them they're commuters. They're things to get from, you know, the outskirts of the city to the center of the city. Like they're, they're not, it, you know, you, you can take a train across the country, but honestly, it is very, very time consuming. Yeah. yeah. And not very comfortable. Like 
if you think about the foundation is like the railroad from like the US, like in my mind, at least it is a central part of the US, but you don't really, you know, there's no communal way of no. traveling properly with it. That was one of those things in the history of the United States that was just like one of those engineering kind of like, this is something we've accomplished. We have a railway yeah. that goes from coast to coast, but it, it never went further really than, you know, uh, commuter travel like you can get on a train in philadelphia and be in boston in about four and a half hours but um you know it, it that's about the essential like you know you take the acela from philadelphia to to washington um to go visit the capital but there's no like you know that's one of the things is you know you can go into europe and that's amazing to me is you can go sit on a bench somewhere that's you know 300 years older than our country <laughs> that's <laughs> that kind of always blew me away it's like you know i remember sitting places and being like how old is this and they're like um you know parts of i remember we were in england and they were like parts of oxford were built in the 11th century and i'm like are you fucking kidding me like yeah <laughs> really? 11th century really like you know like just four digits huh really jesus <laughs> all right yeah that's that's it's just mind-blowing um it is have you guys ever traveled to the states? Um, I've been. I've been in, in in California. Yeah. Well, I've been in California in in 2016, and um, it's definitely been a a great experience. Um, I traveled around like Yosemite National Park and like more the the Southwest, and it was really great. Good to see. Uh, I think the th main thing I grasped during um, that vacation was that you guys probably have a whole different mindset or idea of distances. Um, for you, maybe a three or four hour drive is really normal. That's what you do on a Sunday. So, And for us here in Europe, it's it's a whole different thing. Like you drive four hours and you are probably not in Germany anymore, uh, but <laughs> let's say in the Netherlands. So it's it's very condensed here, all the geographics, all the cities. And whereas uh, America, dr just driving through the desert for hours on a straight on a straight highway. And you were just wondering, will I ever get where I want to be? Will I ever reach that city? <laughs> Does this highway ever end? You know what? That's a that's a California thing. Or uh, those folks are used to sitting in cars all day, every day, and okay. I hate it. I hate it. Like I I live in New York City, so everything is like a two block walk away at most, and that's what I'm used to. So I've, if I have to be in a car for more than two hours, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> okay. I was going to say it's a that's a good segue. How is it in Germany compared to the United States? And what I mean is things here are pretty fucked. Like can you guys can you guys go to the hospital uh without without going bankrupt? You know, can you go to university without paying off debt for the rest of your life? Like how how are things over there compared to here? I guess it depends what kind of lifestyle you are living, but um it is all very accessible right so like university yes there is a tuition but this tuition is like 200 250 a semester like euros so it's like not comparable Whoa. uh and healthcare here 
is either privatized, you can like join a private healthcare system, like um, firm, or you use the one that is put in place by the government, which means you pay like 100, 110 euros a month and then you're covered. So if you should like crash with your car somewhere, you won't like hit a paywall where you are like, okay, I'm not going to be treated because I don't have the healthcare. It's rarely like, See, I like that. I my dream is a, is that this country provides for folks in terms of healthcare and education, but it just doesn't happen because everything is outsourced, everything is privatized. You know, they just want to suck as much money from people as possible, and that's all that matters. Well, but like, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I'm hoping for you. <laughs> Well, if if shit gets bad, I'm I'm coming to Europe. You know, I think my girlfriend has citizenship. I know her daughter has friend, French citizenship. So, if things get real bad, we'll just move. Yeah, we'll take you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank, Anytime. You. Anytime. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. See, I love that welcoming attitude. I wish more people here had that same attitude. Oh, that sounds yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's so interesting because like one thing that is always being said about like Americans in a weird sense, is that you're over-friendly, which for me, being part Canadian, you know, it comes with territory. It's just, you know, <laughs> the way things are. But um, then there are, like, weird policies you have or weird mindsets where you're like, this is not real. <laughs> this, this isn't, like, these are not the people I talk to on a regular basis. I will say the one thing, it that can be also changed by region. Uh, so when I was in college, uh, I played lacrosse and I traveled to uh, South Carolina for spring break to do scrimmages against other colleges. And I remember we went to, I don't remember the name, it was either an Arby's or a Hardee's. It was a fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, and the the people behind the counter are much like what we get now at Chick-fil-A. Please, thank you. Thank you for visiting our establishment. Usually when you go to McDonald's, especially the one down the street from my house, when you get changed, they kind of slam it on the counter and just slide it to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Woman, the woman handed me my change, looked me in the eye, and she was like, thank you very much, sir. You can take a seat. Your number is 14. You're, we'll bring your food out to your table when it's ready. And I'm like, are you serious? I paid seven dollars for that meal. Are you serious? Like you guys are going to be nice to me? I thought you throw food at me. <laughs> like, you know, it's but it's also like depending on where you are. It's um, Keith can attest to this. It's like we even have our own kind of infighting in in specific areas. So like uh, Philly's like one of the worst. Like people like then Philadelphia is broken up into a series of probably like sixty separate neighborhoods and. If you're from another neighborhood, people just, oh, you went to high school there? And it's like unbelievable. I, like I went to a boy's private school in Philadelphia. And I remember I, I meet people from the area. And when they ask me where I went to high school, I ask them first. I say, <laughs> yeah. like, where, where'd you go to high school? And I'm like, where would you go? Because if they are one of the people that hated us, I immediately try to come up with another story. I'm like, oh, oh so I, I try bad. to divert the conversation. Like, oh, no, no, no. Well, you know, actually, when, when I went to college, and I'll start talking about where I went to college. Like, <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't ever bring that up because they're always like, oh, you guys are a bunch of, like, rich kids. We hate you. You guys are all spoiled brats. You guys are, uh, like, you know, they used to call our school. My, my high school used to call it the country club. Tommy, I thought you were a rich kid because of your high school. But you know what? Let's take it back a little bit, gentlemen. I want to get to I'm always interested in everybody's 
musical past and how they came to discover the music they love today. So let's start with Hans. Uh, tell us a little bit about your history, the music you got into, and like, you know, how you got into the stuff you're into today. I was actually getting into playing the guitar. I play the guitar in Chiefland. I was getting into playing the guitar majorly um, because my cousin had one and he was heavily into Nirvana at the time, which was like, I don't know, some 20 years back or so when I started playing the guitar and he taught me, yeah, smells like teen spirit, come as you are, you name it. And um, yeah, and I was really hooked on on the guitar, on the instrument itself from the first, well, from the moment I grabbed it. Um, yeah, played in a, uh, in a school orchestra, um, more like classical guitar, which was not really the type or not really the road I wanted to embark on because all the theory stuff is, is nothing that I like. I'm more like the, yeah, practical player. <laughs> and I... I always play, I play by ear. I like to come up with, um, uh, with my own ideas and things like that. So, and then of course, through school, um, you meet other people with, uh, like-minded tastes in music and you form a band. And, um, at first I was like really into Metallica. Then I shifted over to like the, the skate punk, uh, kind of, uh, influences like Lackwagon, Bad Religion. I I loved Rancid, a band I, I really love uh, um, still. And yeah, and it all eva- developed from that. And of course, once you, you discover a band, you go down a rabbit hole, you uh, look to, uh, to the left and to the right, uh, what other bands are there as well, what bands are mentioned in the album um, booklet uh, right. by, I yes. don't know, you you probably know. And you all check him out. And yeah, I think as, you, as the years go by, you develop um, your style, your favorite taste, and actually the direction where you want to be headed. And that happened, um, yeah, about like 2013 or 14, where it was pretty clear to me that I wanted to create the type of music that we do as Chiefland. Uh, and that's where I actually met Corwin. And yeah, things went on and took up pace uh, very fast from that point on. Nice. So Corwin, how about you? Um, well, my musical upbringing is like all over the place. So originally I played saxophone. <laughs> um, I was in a big band, you know, playing all the classics, Smoke on the Water and that kind of jazz. Um, and then I got into, like heavily got into Godsmack. Um, I was like a total fan, like <laughs> crazy. And then I went to Ska. I don't know why, but then I went to Ska. <laughs> oh, so this, you went all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then was Indie. Um, and in between, of course, like, you know, Linkin Park, um, a little bit of Link Biscuit, even though back then I wasn't such a fan. Um, and over time, um, I stumbled across like all the melodic hardcore bands that are like popular today. So being as an ocean was probably the first melodic hardcore band I stumbled upon. And I was like, 
what is this? Like I came from Alexis of Fire, Godsmack, you know, all the indie bands. And then I just stumbled upon something that was like the combination of both in my mind. And then I just took off. I grabbed them all, like the bands we mentioned before, you know, to share more. Um, La Dispute, Pianos Became the Teeth. Um, I got into a little bit of UK uh, melodic hardcore, even though I don't remember which bands I listened to anymore. And yeah, and then I got to the point where I'm now with the band. But since then, also a lot of like urban R&B hip hop has influenced like my tastes and the way I, how I perceive music. And also, yes. you know, the electronic side, like techno house, house is a, like a big thing and techno is also a big thing. And it just, you know, helps me understand music a little bit more and also just gives me a different approach. And I really, really like it. Nice. So pretty, uh, pretty broad taste there. I like that because when I was young, I would always get stuck on one thing, you know, like, yeah. you know, I'm into hardcore. That's all I listen to. And then I listen to emo. That's all I listen to. And then I listen to post rock. That's all I listen to. And it took me, it took me, I mean, I'm 38 now. So it took me until much later to just listen to whatever and not get so hung up on this is what I do. And this is what I don't do and all that yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's always interesting that you start to appreciate certain aspects of the music you used to listen to or currently yes. listen to through the development you've made. Absolutely, because I can go back and listen to a lot of stuff now with a fresh ears and not get so hung up on, well, this isn't cool or this doesn't sound like this and that type of thing. And you know, and, and just talking to a lot of bands on this show... Yeah. I go back and listen to a lot of bands that I didn't really give a chance back in the day. So, you know, you can just you can just listen to everything without a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, Keith, Keith you were the first one that, um, what did you give me that I was like, I, I didn't get it at first and I kept playing it and I find, oh, um, Boards of Canada? Yeah. yeah. And that was one of those ones that I, it, it took me a moment. I, I was like, I don't, I kind of didn't get it. And I kept putting it on and putting it on and finally, um, I actually switched albums. I went to the one the I get the music has rights to children or something. I think it's that's called. the one, man. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one that uh, it, it was. That kind of blew me away. Where I was like, oh, okay, like there's something very minimalist, but there's also layers to this that I, if I'm not carefully listening and not really paying attention yeah. um you can quickly glance over yeah. you can be like oh i didn't get like oh it's just you know you know some a series of blips behind four four like no yeah. like it, when you really sit down especially that was one of the big keys for um when i really got into that kind of what was the one of the band that uh i, I think cipriano got me into uh i don't even know how you say it it's like autocry <laughs> That name. Hey, you, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I know who you're talking about, but I've I always said like Autesh. Wow. Or, or, I have no idea how to say it. Yeah, no. neither do I. And, but he, I remember. <laughs> oh yeah, Sip and I went to go see Explosions in the Sky, and we were talking about it, and he was like, "Go buy yourself a good set of headphones." And <laughs> I did. And that was the key. Was kind of. I mean, I think that, and you know, have a couple beers, and you know, <laughs> then listen to it, you get a little bit more relaxed, and especially when you can just focus on the music. Um, unbelievably different experience. And Keith, you're absolutely right. Back in the day, there was that kind of like that purity test of like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't meet these criteria. Therefore, I won't listen to it. Exactly, exactly. Like there were bands. 
I don't know if they they just weren't in our circle. So I would like I'd be like, no, we don't talk to them, so we don't listen to them. Like <laughs> dumb shit like that. Yeah. Also, like trying to be cool and fit in with the crowd. You know. Yeah. yeah. That was a big part of it, especially in hardcore, like around where where we grew up. But you know what? We're older now, and we're much more mature, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think <laughs> there was a there was times where um, I remember hearing like you would see the like the billing for who was on the uh, like the show, and you would be like, "Well, I'll stand outside for this band." Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I, I mean, it was it was that kind of thing where it was just like I don't I I won't even participate. Like I won't even be inside, and it was such an elitist kind of like petty attitude to have and i think Mm -hmm. about those times and go you know i wasted that time i really could have actually been watching you know i I could have had a conversation with somebody or talked to someone or seen something in terms of their chord progressions that i i should have been paying attention to and that Mm -hmm. that was a lost opportunity exactly word would come down it's like these like it was just like hive mindset it's like we're gonna watch this band okay we're not gonna watch this band okay like i didn't i what i wasn't capable of independent thought but gentlemen the great thing now is like I don't drink or do drugs anymore out of necessity. So when I go to a show, I have to watch every band because <laughs> what the fuck else am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> so gentlemen, let's let's talk about the beginning of Chiefland. How did we meet? How did it all start? You know, whoever wants to take it uh, can kick us off. We started it with um actually it was our former drummer and me who started the band. Uh we came from a a different band that had split up before and we were looking for um first of all like vo- a vocalist and a bass player um we found um a bass player uh he joined us it was actually an old friend who moved away to college then came back um uh, because he decided to do an apprenticeship instead and uh, he had some free time joined the band so we were yeah, it was the three of us, and um, through Facebook we met Corwin. Um, he wrote a post like in one of those um, yeah groups for musicians in our area, and was dropping all the names, dropping all the influences, uh, bands he was into, and we were looking at it and just we were sure that this was a hundred percent fit. Going by the bands, it was. And so we decided to just get in touch with him and invited him over for a practice. And after the first practice, it was really clear that, um, yeah, we were now a full band and, yeah, have been that four piece for like uh, the major part of our history. We had uh, two member changes, um, one this year and, um, no, not this year. 2020 and the other one 2019 so we're we're now a complete band again and uh, yeah uh, ended up recording songs here in the studio that's awesome and how much how much interaction have you gotten stateside or outside of germany because i mean i think i just think that's awesome that you know my friend is like hey check this band out and i check it out and i didn't even realize you guys were from germany I, f- I figured you were like from California or something for some reason. We, I don't know why. It is really surprising. It is really surprising. And it, I think it comes with all the major streaming services. It comes with our listing in like Spotify playlists. And um, people are, I mean, like countries and 
and anything like that or regions where you come from it it doesn't really matter in the digital world and it is this is also like reflected in in streaming and we hear that a lot we get a lot of dms on instagram on our socials and yeah, yeah. people are bummed out man they're like really really bummed out they're like we want to buy a shirt, but like, yeah. the shipping cost will be crazy. Can you like ship it privately? Is that cool for you guys? And we're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. That's nice. Yeah, we do that a lot. I'll be honest. I, I thought you guys were from Florida because there's a big city in Florida. Not a big city, yeah. in Florida, but there's a city no. in Florida called Chief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're the Chiefland High yeah. School hardcore band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know what? I, I assumed California because because Corwin does kind of the ethereal spoken word storytelling type thing in some songs. And I was like, oh, that, that kind of sounds like something dudes from California would do. <laughs> so that's why, <laughs> that's why I assumed California. But uh, no, I think I just think it's great that, you know, there's a lot of downsides to, to, to technology, but there's a lot of good sides too. Like I can jump on Discover Your Band and I have this podcast, and then we can all be on here talking yeah. together. You know, that's yeah. that's one of the positives. Of it, it is. And it's like, also, we were humbled that you asked us, because we were like, who are these people? And we looked you up, and we we're like, oh, fuck. Like, Dave talked to sort of <laughs> survive and stuff. How are we, how are we fitting into all how of this? How are we going to survive this? <laughs> <laughs> you, know what? The, you know what the beautiful thing is? It's just, it's bands that we like. So if we like you, we want you on and that's it. Really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, yeah. That's literally what it comes to. There, it's so funny. It's like Keith does the, like, I, I, I think I've, how many people have I booked, Keith? Three? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were two of our biggest guests. Yeah, but it was purely by accident. Like, you know, the one guy was uh, Fear, uh, Lee Ving from Fear was my father's friend from high school. Uh, mm. And I was in a band with Anthony. <laughs> so... Yeah. Hey, however, however it happens is however it happens, man. But I think that's like the magic of music, isn't it? Like just the way also booking systems work, like in a smaller scale where you're like booking your friends bands and then they bring friends and then you get to know new music and new bands. And it's just the way it works in like my mind. It is because I started out, we started out just interviewing our friends who are, you know, who are in bands. And then I ask a friend like, hey, can you get so-and-so on? And it grows and grows. Can I, can I ask a question real quick? Uh, Please. We don't have these things in, in the United States. And I, I really, you said that um, it, it was your bass player left college to do the, the apprenticeship. We don't have apprenticeship uh, systems in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about what that is? Because I, I, my understanding is essentially is it substitutes for schooling in in certain in certain industries so like you can do one in construction you can do one in you know fixing clocks you know whatever it is um but can you guys talk a little bit about it just because it's it's unbelievably interesting to me um so like you grasp it very well it basically is um if you don't have a grades to go to college um you take up an apprenticeship and then just like learn a profession you learn the profession mostly or primarily like in a firm or in a little like what have you a mom and pop shop or like bigger shops 
And after three years or two years, it depends on the profession, you've got a diploma and you are legible to work in that industry with that certain profession. And from there on, you can like decide to like get your master's in that profession. It's not the same as a master's degree in college, but you know, works on a similar level. Um, or you can actually sign up, um, for college in a certain field that is part of your profession. Yeah, we, we do have something like that in the United States. So like, um, so Philadelphia has a university called Drexel and Drexel is one of the, uh, it's one of the only schools that I'm aware of that does it, but it's every, when you normally go to college, it's a four year program. And then you graduate with a degree, your undergraduate at Drexel takes five years. It's two years of instruction in specific discipline and then a year or two six-month periods split up working specifically in the industry. And it, it's a very uh, it's geared a lot towards uh, engineering and math and uh, technologies. So uh, people gain practical experience in that industry, and then they're able to you know continue their studies and kind of hone what they've gotten, and then go, oh, okay. Um, I, I have a good feel for what I want to do in this industry. Now I can go out and search out a job. Or a lot of times I know people that the place where they did their apprenticeship or the place where they did their, I think they call it an externship instead of an internship. They call it uh, extern um, where they did their externship. They end up getting hired there as well um, because people are, you know, like, like the style of their work or like their work ethic or whatever the, the idea is. But it's, it, it's, I think it's such a great system, you know, literally up until probably 150 years ago, that's how everybody became attorneys and doctors in the United States. That's everything really? was based upon. Yeah, it's based on a pun. It's actually really funny. Uh, did you guys ever hear, you know, Kim Kardashian was studying to become a lawyer and everybody yeah, was like, I know well, that. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. Well, people are like, well, how dare she? Like, she never even went to college. Like, how can you do that? There's, I think, five states left um, that still have it. California is one of them where you can work in an apprentice system and essentially you work at a law firm for a specific period of time and then take a series of tests that allows you to then sit for the bar exam. Wow. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's why I remember seeing people like flipping out. They're like, how dare she? She didn't even, you know, she barely went to, you know, she, I only, I don't know if she went to college or not, but they're like, you know, she doesn't have a law degree, you know, she's not going to be fit to practice. And it's like, yeah. you know, um, if she's going to go get one, though, like, who cares? Like, good for her. Exactly. Yeah. I, well, that's the other thing is, like, I remember reading this thing uh, with my daughters that they are really interested in. They got they had a unit in school about biographies. And one mm -hmm. of the biographies they read was about Abraham Lincoln. And they were floored by the fact they were like, he didn't go to college. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, how is he a lawyer? I'm like, because back then, you know, in the 1840s and 1850s, that's that's how things were done. People basically said, OK, come and get, you know, come and take this position, get your hands dirty, learn a little bit, prove yourself. And then and then after that period of time, then we can have you sit for an examination that would say you're fit to be able to practice. Um, but, you know, like I always think about that is. Uh, nowadays, people are like, you know, uh, I'm a lawyer. And I'm like, shit, anybody's a lawyer. Like you can represent yourself yeah. in court. 
but you, you don't know, lose yeah. though. Um, you can't. You can. But you can't. Yeah, you, yeah precisely. <laughs> you, you really should not represent yourself unless you have any like unless it's something extraordinarily simple. You should definitely not represent yourself. But yeah. Um, yeah, I always yeah, think yeah. about like it's not the same with you know people are like oh you should be a lawyer or a doctor. Those seem to get grouped together. But in my head, I'm like you could be your anybody can be a lawyer. You can represent yourself, but you can't perform surgery on yourself. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Like you know doctors go through specific training and then have residency. And then, you know, like they have all of these things that are set up to make sure that there's, you know, protocols to make sure that they're safe in their, in terms of their practice with, with law, it's kind of like, yeah, it takes a lot for people to get disbarred. <laughs> you gotta do some it pretty, does. you gotta it do does. some pretty shady shit to lose your license to practice. I was just about to say that um, basically you summed up how the apprentice system works here in Germany. You just, you get the job, you work there, you get taught things. At the end, you have an exam. Either you pass or you don't. If you don't, you have another try and another try. And if and everything works out, you just work in that profession. We need that here. We uh, uh, I absolutely do. Because uh, yeah. I see so many kids that uh, uh, I'm a, a school teacher. Uh, so and so I, I see a lot of kids that are hard workers the the concepts that we're going over just somehow elude them like they they don't necessarily get everything that we're going over but if i were to sit with that kid one-on-one and work with them and teach them how to do the things that they had to do they would absolutely be able to do it and i i think like a lot of times like you know we minimize those professions of like you know plumbers and people that work on hvac like you know for heating and and cooling in your home or or mechanics or people that and it's like these are absolute necessities we need people to fix these things cuz yeah it, you know there there's this meme that keeps going around it's like mom is driving with her kid past a construction worker and it's like work hard honey or you'll end up like him and then there's text over the construction worker that it says like construction worker who makes four times the amount of the mom and he's like <laughs> just staring back at her like listen you union jobs and oh, yeah. they they have they have good salaries you're protected there's pensions i mean they're they're tough jobs but it's like it's nothing to balk at something we've lost a lot in the united states we used to have um i think i know i know the school district that i'm in has a technical high school so that's where you can go to get, you know, specific training in, you know, mathematics, uh, computer sciences, um, auto mechanics, auto body, um, and just kind of rudimentary kind of uh, fixing engine kind of stuff. And it's like they actually thought for a brief period of time they were going to close it because there wasn't much interest in it. There was this big push that everybody has to go to college. And it's like, who's going to fix shit when it breaks? Yeah. <laughs> like, but we're facing the same problem, right? So it's not very attract like in the common mind, it's not very attractive to have an apprenticeship or do an apprenticeship because you want the high paying jobs, right? And you only can get the high paying jobs allegedly um, through college. But like I've done, uh, have done an apprenticeship. I'm now in college. You know, I've done the steps beforehand. I've worked before, had the experience, decided to go to college because I wanted to. And that's something yeah. I think is also missing, you know, that people are very young after high school and knowing what you want back then is like buying a pack of ships and then deciding you bought the wrong pack of ships, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, gentlemen, I have a question. How is 
the COVID situation over there. Now, it's still a fucking mess over here. We got vaccine mismanagement. I hear stories about them throwing it out and, I don't know, just people not getting it. And, you know, it's hard to get in some places. It's it's a mess. And we, of course, we have people who refuse to wear masks. Like, they're like, hey, wear a mask. It'll help you and your neighbors. And people are like, no, I'm an American. It's my right. I don't want to. Why, why, why? So what's the situation over there? Do you still have the virus? Are things open? Are things closed? Are there restrictions in place? So the way things are working right now is that we're like in our second major lockdown. Mm-hmm. Which basically means that you can only like see one more person outside of your household. Um, um, all the other stores besides like supermarkets are closed, but there are certain stores you can like still buy stuff at if you're like part of a certain industry. So that's open. Um, a friend of mine, oddly enough, works at the um, hospital right now, like as a helping. Uh, person like he notes down the people who are coming you know leads them to where they have to go um and he got vaccinated because they had vaccine left over and they didn't want to throw it out and this has been happening um all over germany that you know because there are five doses uh, five doses you they like give people but there are six in the, the package they tend to vaccinate whoever is there. Um, right. But it, it's it been kind of chill. Of course, we also got like um, the German QAnon uh, equivalent um, who are protesting <laughs> oh. and are like, yeah, no, we're not going to wear masks. Masks, masks are for losers. We're cool. You have that yeah. over there too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So it's not just us. Majorly, we always think of it as like the most enlightened thing. We're always like, "Yes, I bet they'll 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 get it right in Europe." And then, no, damn, (laughs) we thought we thought you guys were our saving grace. (laughs) Well, I guess you could argue it's a right wing problem, you know, because we've got people who are far right, and it's the same kind of people who are your kind of right wing people who are protesting stuff they shouldn't protest and being fucking assholes. Sorry for my language um, oh, no, to you... everybody else, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, that that's comforting in a way. It's like there's assholes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the, um, Corvin mentioned the, um, second major lockdown, the rates of infection are still very high, I think. So, and we all try to, f- figure out um ways to get out of this and um yeah there's actually a, a stricter form of lockdown and dis- discussion at the moment um don't know when that will happen but or if it will happen but it's constantly um yeah changing yeah you know it it just depends on what state you're in over here, there there are states that are completely open, no restrictions. You can s- you sit inside at a restaurant, sit inside at the bar, and and eat and yeah. drink. And I think anyone who's doing that is very brave because I d- I don't want to do it. And this virus does not discriminate. I've heard of younger people dying, older people. You know, I've heard, there are people who are completely in in symptomatic. There are people who you know they still don't have their sense of smell back, and they say their brain is all foggy and. I mean, I, I know someone fairly close to me who just got it. And it's just like, you know, you think like everything's okay. Oh, no, I'm fine. And then all, all of a sudden you hear that someone gets it and you're like, oh, shit. So I'm 
I'm keeping it close. I'm I'm only really socializing uh, if it's outdoors in most cases, and I'm only really doing the shit I really have to do. Yeah, you know. We we actually moved our um, like recording or, or studio time um, to this weekend because of a virus and because of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, because before Christmas, um, we originally had planned to go into the studio, record the session, and then just you know get into the new year. But because things were looking so bad, and they're still like bad, but you know we isolated before coming here. Um, yeah. We moved it, and things have been just like getting worse. I so, like worse in quotation marks because if I look into the world, it's way worse somewhere else. Like it's way worse in the U.S. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, especially California right now. Yeah, you know. but I, I I find it interesting that you know it is like a civic duty to be uh, like, you know, solitary to everybody else and, you know, stay the fuck home. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm cool with that because I'm an isolator by nature. I'm using this as an excuse not to see people anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? I love it. So I have a question for you guys. Now with any band, there's struggles, right? Mm -hmm. Personally, individually, what is a struggle for Chiefland as a whole? Now, for example, like my last band that I was in, I think I was the only person who really cared about the band. So getting everybody together was a struggle. Like I would text people and be like, are we going to practice? Are you coming to practice? And they just wouldn't respond. <laughs> so like that that makes it pretty difficult. So what is, what is, a, what is a struggle for Chiefland? Well, actually, um, in recent... Um history of the band it definitely was the um two member changes we had uh to get back as a band to reform regroup and and make sure that everyone was on the same page um that was really hard and of course for us by nature uh four guys living in three different cities all over germany it's sometimes like a huge logistic issue just uh it involves a lot of communication just just to be in touch at any time to be um responding to messages and to actual things that happen for instance if if we book studio time we have to be sure about the appointments and yeah, knock on wood, it's it's working really good at the moment. But there have also been like times during the pandemic where we were, yeah, not writing uh, for a week or so, something like that. But yeah, with our goal in mind to record new songs, to put out new music, uh, we have definitely picked up pace and... Uh, have gotten more focused over the last weeks, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's... When you start over with new band members, to a degree, you have to start over completely. You know what I mean? Because you have to get to know each other. You have to figure out how you play and how you're going to play off of each other. And you have to develop a yeah. new a new synergy. And that's, why we, that's how we want to use the studio time. Of course, we want to get things done and want to record songs but we also want to have the time to get to know each other and of course um normally you do that 
while being on the road, while playing shows. And this is not, or just practicing, yeah, but you just don't have it at the moment. So this is like the only chance to really spend time with each other and, and um, get to know each other, yeah. Exactly, because as we know, there is no music industry right now. So there's no touring, there's no shows, and there's a lockdown. So it's not like we can just go out and hang out with each other as much as we would like. So the studio or practice yeah. is pretty much the only time you've got. Like I haven't seen Keith, I haven't seen you since March. Yeah, since March of last year. March we got together year. to record the first four episodes of this podcast almost a year ago, and we have not seen each other since. I mean, we talk every day. I mean, we talk almost every day on the phone. Like we text each other all the time, but I physically haven't seen Keith in, in since Mar March. What was that? 10th or something like that march 9th somewhere around there yeah, yeah like what we're guys what we're doing right now this is the only way i've communicated with tommy pretty much yeah only only his voice not even seeing him it's weird if you think about it so guys how much touring have you done like you know let's think about before the virus and all that stuff how often did you play out and how much of europe did you tour well like it depends who you ask. Like with a band, we've been mostly in the German area. I think we've played one, two shows in Czech Republic. Yeah. But like, uh, Achim was like, he toured a little bit more in Europe with the band prior. But with uh. Chiefland, we've been like really, really stuck in Germany. Like not stuck, stuck, but playing shows in Germany. Um, we, in one year we did what? Yeah, that was the strongest year. Overall, we did roughly about 100 shows right now to date, but yeah, we would have done much more, but, um, of course we all have our day jobs or studies, so it can get really, um, it can be a hassle sometimes, but yeah, we try to get the most out of it and, uh, I'm definitely hungry right now. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait until there's shows again. Like, even if it's just like an indie rock band, I'm going to start the biggest pit and just <laughs> be, be really obnoxious and get thrown out of the show right away. <laughs> so, oh, that's a good question. What do you guys do for your day jobs? Um, so, like, I'm studying, and I usually stand behind a bar and bartend, but right now I'm not doing anything. Um, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But I'm like looking into um, joining, like I want to apply for a job at a magazine that I'm really interested in, nice. which basically deals with pop culture and music and stuff. And it really, it really jams for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Well, I work as a full-time um, social media manager in an agency uh, where I live. And yeah basically basically manage um, the social media accounts of our customers, provide content, and do the whole community management thing. Nice. Yeah, see, that's, uh, it's hard. And as we get older, it's hard to find the life, band, work balance. I work full-time. I always have since I was 20 years old. And as you get sure. older, there's just more and more responsibilities. You know, I've got a girlfriend now and she has a kid there's responsibilities there i have a full-time job i've got other stuff i'm involved with and then there's the podcast too the podcast takes up a good chunk of time so it's it's all about balance you know yeah, it is what exactly do you do for a living 
I'm a solution engineer slash project manager for a major corporation. So when we sell new business, I help project manage and get it installed. Sometimes I take part in the sales process where we put together the proposal to send to the company that are buying our services. I teach sixth grade math. That's much easier to say. See, I wish I wish I had a nice. I wish I had, whenever whenever I tell people what I do, they never understand and their eyes glaze over. I wish I had a simple job where I could be like, yeah. I do this. Our drama is yeah. actually going to become a math teacher as well. Oh, really? I was so I started out as a writing teacher and we had such a hard time keeping qualified candidates in the math class. Uh because a lot of people that have those advanced degrees in math uh, move on. Now, you know, they go back to, you know, they go back and get their master's or, you know, we had a lo- couple people leave for places. Uh, my school is loosely associated with um, Princeton University. So we had people leave to go to work at the Princeton, you know, they have a uh, teacher training program there. Um, they also have the plasma physics lab. So they had a couple people leave for that. And finally, um, the principal of my school was like, look, I found this thing online. It's through Rutgers. You can take a few classes. It's about 13 months long. And basically you relearn math up until calculus and you take the middle school math exam for New Jersey. And I was like, okay. So they paid for it. And uh, I've been a math teacher. This is my fourth year being a math teacher. And it's like, I taught writing and reading before this, and I, I love that, but math is uh, definitely one of those things that I didn't know I was passionate about it until I started teaching it, and I realized like how much I love it because uh, you get that moment in class when you explain something in a way where a good chunk of kids just go, oh and it, it's like it, it's there's no better feel like I, I I get goosebumps when I did it like I was showing kids um uh multiplication stuff the other day and we were talking about repeatedly multiplying fractions and i was like but you know guys if you get stuck with like one that you don't want to multiply you know multiplication is just repeated addition and one of the kids was like what and i'm like yeah like four times two is four plus four four times three is four plus four plus four it's plus how many times you're multiplying it. And the kid, there was like three or four kids and keep in mind, I'm virtually teaching kids just doing that, like slam their hands on their head. They're like, what? Like it was, and I was like, yeah, no one's taught you like this before. And they're like, no, last year we did a lot with decimal placement and we did a lot with geometry and this. And I was like, yeah, uh, no, that's great. But at the same time, like, you know, that division is repeated subtraction. And they're like, no. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, because, and I started to, I have a big whiteboard. Like I went to uh, a, a, like a home supply place and I bought a gigantic whiteboard. So I have a four by four foot by eight foot piece of uh, whiteboard uh, stacked up in my basement. And I just, st- you know, put it on the wall and that's what I teach from. And I just started showing them on the whiteboard and they all of the, like they, all the kids that were like super engaged, you could just see them. Like they were like, what time's tutoring today? I'm like three. They're like, I'm coming to tutoring. You got to show us more of this. And I was like, really? Like, this is what you're excited about. Like, it's so funny to see them get excited. But at the same time, it's like, that's why I do it. It definitely gets you, um, you get excited about it. Like you feel really good. Like, wow, those kids never knew that before. And now I've taught them that. And <laughs> they went to, uh, like they had like an after school thing that like, you know, it was obviously virtual, but like they were all online. And the kids were like, uh, one of the teachers came up to me later and she was like, 
hey, did you teach something in math today about repeated addition? I was like, yeah, why? And she's like, the kids would not shut up about it in the chat. Like they kept writing, like they kept writing it in the chat. They were like, eight times six is eight plus eight plus eight. And they kept writing. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what it's all about though, because, oh, yeah. you know, math was my worst subject in school and I'm, I'm still not great at it, but there was one test I still think about it. I was in like eighth grade. There was one test where I happened to know exactly what to do, you know, like so, yeah. so that I got like over a hundred on the test and the teacher had me help everybody around me. And I'm like, oh, you just do this. And I, I still think about that till this day. It's a great feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And it's, there's, it, there's gratification, there's like gratification that comes from it, but there's also like this um, sense of duty. Like I did something to yeah. help other people like there's really something cool about that yeah so let's talk about Chiefland a little bit now we're in the studio right now right now right gentlemen how's it going in there um we're almost done actually we've done the vocals today we did bass yesterday and drums the day before that and we arrived two days ago so like we've we hit the ground running so corwin you're recording vocals and agreeing to be on this podcast in the same day <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's a big deal. Actually, we are ahead of we are ahead of our schedule. Vocals were planned for tomorrow, but everything has been going so well that yeah, we're in this lucky situation right now. Guitars were tracked before Christmas, and um, everything is pretty much done right now. We're going to record a couple more uh, gang vocals tomorrow, and just do the Ooh. yeah some detail work. I think. Fixing up what needs fixing, basically. Awesome. So when when can we expect to hear the first new single? Late April or May. May, yeah. It depends a little bit, like, the, the whole process. Like, um, the whole single thing, uh, or at least the single we're putting out in um, spring, is also coupled with a project, a passion project of ours we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to get more awareness like in our German hardcore scene for the LGBTQI plus uh, community. Because like there is awareness and there's things happening, of course, but you know, sometimes you just got stupid people at shows and uh, we kind of want to grab these people and show them that other people are also just normal people. Um, right. So it all hinges on how we can like proceed after the recording and, you know, getting a music video done like in the COVID era time. Uh, and right. that kind I mean, everything's in the works right now. We want to pair this campaign and this project with um, new merch. We are developing right now with a tattoo artist from Berlin. And um, yeah, at the moment, we're just gathering all those puzzle pieces and try to match it up. And yeah, hopefully can stick to um, the timeline we have in mind and, and put out the, uh, the music on time this spring that sounds excellent so let's say that let's say that the world opens back up right and that there's shows again and we get back to some semblance of normal can we ever expect to catch you guys stateside would love to do that we love to do that like we've been this has been like something that has been on our agenda since chiefland has mm -hmm. come to being um 
because obviously you want to play the states like with our kind of music. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it would be like a dream come true to do it. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You you guys would would be the first one to know. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to be able to see you guys someday. And one of my favorite things is discovering a new band and being gripped by a song, right? And I got that experience from listening to Wildflowers and listening to Cathedrals in particular was the first song that really grabbed me. And when that chorus kicks in, man, oh, I got that feeling. And it's a it's a song I went back to time and time again, and those are those are the moments I live for that natural high, like a music that really makes you feel something. And your album provided that. And yeah, I just want to say thank you for that. And again, it's just so cool that you know we have this platform, and I can be like, hey, this band's awesome. Do they have an Instagram? Yeah, let's ask them to come on the show. Will they come on? Yeah, great. And now we're all here. Let's just be in touch and. Um hopefully we we will have the chance to come over real soon there you have it folks chiefland now that was a great conversation uh you know josh brigham from uh, hopesfall turned me on to those guys i think he really? sent me that um Oh, that's awesome. He's J Josh has excellent taste in music. I get a lot of good uh recommendations from from him. So shout out to Josh for showing me Chiefland and yeah, man, they're just a great band, nice guys. I I love when we get to talk to people outside the US, get some experience with some different cultures and uh they just seem like nice people. And folks, check out Wildflowers, their 2019 album. It's excellent, passionate, melodic, hardcore, hits all the right notes. I was hooked the first time I heard it. And they have a bunch of singles and some other stuff up there that I that I want to check out too that I haven't even gotten to yet. So New stuff coming end of April, beginning of May. So I'm glad you remembered that because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go to Germany to hang out and not drink beer. Ah. Uh... I actually, I might just make an exception for that. Like, just to have one beer in Germany. You would have to. I think, I, yeah, I think I, it's kind of like if I went to Ireland and went to, like, the like go to a pub, like, I would want a Guinness. Like, yeah. I would kind of, just to do, just to be, like, you know, like, active in that, like, what the culture is and, like, be a part of it. And the thing is, is, like, I don't want to die someday and be like oh i couldn't do it because of the and it's like no i have to like i'm gonna i, I like I, I don't feel like i would go overboard with it so i would definitely make sure like as i'm ordering it like turn to kelly and be like only one <laughs> like, only. i uh i used to really want to go to ireland but there's no point now because i can't drink guinness or even go to i guess i could go to saint james gate but why it would just be too tempting yeah, my so my mom and stepdad went two years ago, and they said it was a blast. The only thing that they complained about, and I think most people complain about, is uh, the food was not really good. Really? Yeah, my mom said it was like, eh, like no shepherd's pie. 
No, she says like the food was so blah. She's like, I, she goes, I never asked for salt and pepper. She's like, like I can like every meal. I was like, can I have a little bit of salt and pepper? And they were like, sure. <laughs> Just add something to it. Cause it was like half the shit was like boiled. She's like, you know, they would give you stuff and they're like, here's boiled lamb. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, why, would you ba- <laughs> why would you boil? You can roast this. You can bake it. Like, what are you, what are you doing? I couldn't eat a lamb. I, it seems know, it seems too terrible. You know what? Um, when remember my bachelor party? No, <laughs> didn't you come? I don't know. We went to Fogo. Was to, it? We went to Fogo de Chao. I have no idea. And then we went to where's? Then we went to Atlantis. And then I think we went to Johnny Brenda's. I really have no idea if I was there. So at Fogo, that's one of those things that like they, you know, they just bring out all different types of meat. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there or I was there once. And one of your old roommates was like, you have to have lamb, try lamb. And I took a bite of it and I was like, no, <laughs> it was really <laughs> gross. <laughs> I didn't like the flavor at all. And they serve it with this like mint jelly. It's not good. Like everything about it was unappetizing. Ugh. Yeah. All right. So let's read. Oh yeah. Fan some- stuff. We've gotten some great feedback from our listeners, and we're going to read some of it now. Here's an email from Teak. Hey, guys. Just wanted to say how much I appreciate hearing this podcast. I've lived in North Carolina for most of my life, but was born in Canada, and I've always kind of had more of a kinship with the Northeast. That's right. Yes. Your interview with Evan Weiss from Intuit Over It was the gateway to your show, and I absolutely loved hearing your conversation with him and a lot of the subsequent episodes, especially the Anthony Green episodes. Just wanted to send out some love to y'all, and can't wait to hear more about some bands I never really listened to. Hope you're also able to speak with Every Time I Die at some point. I would love to hear about those guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Teak. That is awesome. And yeah, I would absolutely have anybody from Every Time I Die on. I, I dig that band. I, I, I actually only got into them... Um... What was the album that I really... Hot Damn? Oh, that's my favorite. That's the only one I really knew very well. Um, it's perfect. It's a really good album. Yeah, it's a perfect record. I, They were on a tour I was on with This Day Forward. It was This Day Forward, Thursday, and Every Time I Die, back in 2003. And I, I got into them during that tour. Good band. Yeah, I'll have to reach out to them. Yeah, maybe nice. sometime soon. Who yeah. knows? Oh, uh, Michelle writes us and says, Hey guys, just wanted to say I look forward to the podcast every week. The conversations between the two of you are great, as are the ones with your guests. A lot of times relatable and comforting. Also starting back at school after many years since my undergrad years, so I found it comforting how Keith has been talking about studying and exams at a later point in life. I forgot how hard it is to do. Here's to a good 2021. Yeah, yeah, man. Yo, getting back into studying and all that kind of thing after you've been out of practice with it is freaking hard, man. You did it, Tommy. You got your certification. I got mine. Michelle's doing it now. You know, it's it's tough at our old age. (laughs) It is. And it's also, I found it more frustrating as an adult because you are so constrained by the times that you have. Like, you're like, all right, I have a two-hour window here to study. And you're like, okay. 
you go to learn something and it doesn't click right away. It's so frustrating because you're like looking at the clock, like, fuck, I only have an hour and 45 minutes left. Like I have to get through this section or I have to learn this part or I have to like master this. And it's, uh, it's definitely an exercise in, uh, patience. (laughs) You have to learn how to like really like temper yourself of like, all right, look, I'm, I'm going to do what I can do during this period of time. And I'll just deal with the aftermath. Like I, I can't, you can't really, you can't force learning. You can, no. you can cram before a test, but with things like, you know, especially like your test and mine, like y- you really know, you need to know the information. Well, like you need to know it inside and out. It's not just a memorize, memorize a bunch of dates and facts shit. It's like, you really need to know how to apply the information. It's hard to get into the practice. It's like a, for me, it's a long ramp up to get into the habit of doing it. I'm talking months and months, like, well, I guess it just depends on how much time I have. But it's like anything. It's like if you tomorrow, if you decide to start going to the gym, you have to make a real commitment for a long time to get into it and see results. And, you know, with getting into education, you got to dedicate the time. You got to get into the practice. You got to do it every day. Uh, Let's see who else we got here. Oh, Billy, a.k.a. Drew Barrymore on... Instagram says oh, I see that, that name he, a ton. I see that name a lot on Instagram. That's awesome. Yeah, he says he's a proud member of the Northeast scene, and tagged us along with some records from uh, Circa, Circa Survive and This Day Forward. That's great company right there. Welcome, Billy, to the membership. Can I say that we? I'm so excited that we had that one post that had almost 400 likes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah oh yeah shout out to uh tess for sending me all those flyers and all those awesome pics the uh there was some audience of one pics in there tommy is in some of them yeah and yeah dude like okay when anthony reposts something that we post yeah, oh, yeah. the amount of notifications that come through are just hilarious <laughs> Keith, so, thanks anthony Keith sent me a text that like the morning after and it was just his whole screen completely filled with notifications. And all he wrote under it was bruh. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. And it was funny is uh, I looked at it and I was like, wow. And when I looked at it that day, it was like 230 or something like that. And then I checked it the next night and it was like 380 and i was like what the fuck is going on here like that's fucking insane like almost 400 is crazy to me vince from instagram says he finally got around to listening to the anthony green podcast and he gets so hyped when we shout out saint ephraim's he went to grade school there and never knew they played hardcore and punk shows wow yeah i that one i think that one show was the only one i went to there i think it was the benefit for the the guy from uh, Life Sick Life, oh, where yeah, yeah, B- yeah. Blue Skies Fade played, and um, let's see, a bu- I don't know, it was a bunch of bands. Peter Parker, yeah, a, t- a ton of bands. Maybe this day forward, I can't remember. Oh, this is a good one. All right, <clears throat> okay. Tim from Instagram says, "Hey Keith and Tommy, loving the episodes. I keep wanting to write in during random episodes and never do. I'm doing some mixing on my band song Gem." that we wrote as an homage to our favorite band, Renee Hartfelt. Oh, nice. Don't even need to get into how you guys tracked down Pete. I just jumped from some Mike Shaw kinder things to the 108 conversation at the exact 108 marker and logic where I'm making my final cut before mastering. That, to me, 
is the idea willing itself into existence. In our heads, we were like, if we just completely rip Renee and advertise, more people will find them. That, ah, that blew my mind. Because we were talking about that, I think, with Mike, that 108 is just, you know, a constant number that comes up and that we see all the time. Mike just posted uh, a thing the other day about uh, a friend that works in the restaurant industry and the person's bill was very, very small and they left a $500 tip. The bill was a dollar and eight cents. And I was like, fuck yeah. I was like, yes, <laughs> it was 108. And he, <laughs> I remember looking at him and I was like, God damn, like, it's so weird. Like I, that number just comes up so constant for us. It's, it's unbelievable. Justin Adam K from Instagram says, yo guys, latest episode with Philip from Caspian was excellent. You all gelled so well together. Great conversation. Not sure if you know from talking with him, but there's a 73-minute version of Uncircles coming out this summer. I can't wait. I didn't know that. Did I'm not. I'm excited for that. And thank you, Justin. Yeah, dude, we got a ton of great feedback on the episode with Philip Jameson from Caspian. You know, a lot of activity on that. And, man, that was a really special episode. That was... I mean, we talked about it already, but shit, that was like one of my favorites. That just that episode just felt good. Yeah. As soon as we hung up, I was like, I texted Keith and I was like, that was incredible. Like that. That was a, that was one of those ones where I felt high. Like yeah. I was in, I was in such a good mood. I feel like that after all of them, pretty much. You know, because like, because I'm always so nervous, and then once it's done, I'm like, ah, now I can relax. But that one, that one was special. Oh, uh, Steve Morris from Instagram says, oh, he was, he was talking about this band Few and Far Between. Steve Morris from Instagram says, he's from Langhorn, now living in Arizona. Uh, shout me out. Steve, here is your shout out. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, and he mentioned the band Few and Far Between. I'm not sure if he's in the band or he was saying to shout them out, but I listened to some of this and it's really good. I don't know I don't know if they're from our area or what, but it's kind of like this emo sounding music. Uh I'll have to send you a link. It's good. Yeah, send me a link because I'll check it out. Can I I wanna hype something up that I just watched. There's an hour and a half documentary on YouTube called Slave to the Grind. And it's a documentary about the history of Grindcore. And it is super well done, very funny. Very, the all different kinds of facets of grindcore are addressed, um, as well as some of the origin stuff that I didn't know. And it is really, 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 really well done. Uh, I, I just watched it today while I was, you know, doing some stuff out in the garage, and I was like, damn, this thing is good. But yeah, I watched that piece you sent me on, uh, the, uh, AC, AC. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like. I like don't want to say those words. I'm such a like nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, the really really funny part is when the guy's talking about his band, and he his mother calls him, and she's like, "Are you in a band called blah blah blah?" And he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, "No." <laughs> he's like, "I broke my mother's heart." Like she was yeah. so upset about it. And in my head, I'm going like, my mom would have the exact same conversation with me. <laughs> like she would be say, "Are you in a band called this?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." she would be like immediately do the like 
like burst into tears. Why are you doing this? Why would you I don't do understand this? how you could be in that band because like they they showed the singer getting in fights and his bandmates were coming to defend him, but they were they were like inciting riots by praising white power stuff and and then I, you, some of their songs came up in the YouTube algorithm. Oh, and they yeah. were just heinous, yes. heinous. That like, was the whole thing behind their their gig was like they were like they were like trolls before there were trolls. Like they they, they would put out in intentionally inflammatory shit to get people's attention. The problem was is that like, you know they even address it in the documentary. Like when they would play, you know these like neo Nazi kind of like skinhead people would show up. Um, you know, and sing along with the songs, like in, in earnest when like, you know, the band, like even the, I, I think it's the drummer goes like, we're making fun of you. Don't you guys get that? Like, we're fucking making fun of you. The whole point is, is that everything that we do is a joke. It's tongue in cheek. It's a fucking, it's a farce. Like this is fucking not real. Like we're trying to get a rise out of people and you're doing exactly what we want you to do. Like, this is like, you guys are fucking not getting it. And I think that's one of those things. I had a friend from high school that gave me um, the 88 song, uh, Seven Inch, uh, just a bar. I don't have it anymore, but he just gave it to me to, for me to listen to. And I remember listening to it going like, I don't get this. But I, I used to kind of equate it with like, I know it's not the same thing, but remember Neil Perry used to have really funny song names? Yeah. Yeah, so Neil Perry used to have like hilarious song names like 99% of the last sip is spit. Like that like they used to have like these kind of like jokey kind of titles. Like Drowning um, Man style. Yeah, exactly. Um and it was like all done in kind of this very like gallows humor, dark humor kind of idea. But I think it was like you could see they instigated so much shit and the big one was they played in Rhode Island and drop dead played before them. And he like Seth Putnam got up on stage and did like an impression and was like, Ooh, I'm drop dead. <laughs> like, fucking, like made fun of them. And the guys from drop dead got up on stage and beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Listen, man, if you're going to, if you're going to mess with people like that, you gotta, you gotta be able to, oh, yeah. to back it up. I guess. You can have freedom of speech, but there's no freedom from consequence. Like, no, plus, you, you know, joking about white power stuff and all, I don't know, I don't know, who knows? Because you can easily say, oh yeah, it was all tongue in cheek, but I don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's cool to even joke about that stuff because you're gonna get that contingent all yep. riled up. Yeah. And it's, it's even more dangerous these days because I feel like it, I feel like it's even more prevalent and you just gotta be really careful. Yeah, I think that's the. Th I think that was kind of their whole idea, though. Was like we're punk rock, we don't fucking care. Like we're gonna do some wild ass shit, and you're gonna fucking react to it or not. And yeah. I think, I mean, keep in mind a lot of those things that were super inflammatory were like 1988. <laughs> like, it, know, was like, a, it was it was a was, different age. Yeah, yeah, it was a different era, and it was kind of a. I think at that point, you know, when just calling your band that, that. <laughs> like, like you're asking, you're kind of like, you're already kind of in your face about it. And I think those titles, especially like when you would hear the song, you would be like, 
I, I don't get it. Like, cause it was just no, it was like half the songs, nine and a half, like three quarters of the songs are just noise. Like, and this all started because you sent me a napalm death song today. <laughs> That's what I was going to get to. Hold on a yeah, sec. No, Here, go to that. Get to speaking that. of speaking of grindcore, and it can't get taken down because it's not even more than thirty seconds. Yeah, the right of use. It's like under that. Yeah, it's two. It, that song is literally two seconds long. Someone on the message board mentioned this song. I'm going to play the whole song on the show right now. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know that? Remember uh, that? Alex? That's the whole song. Ready? Here we go. That's a, that's amazing. A life once lost toured with them. Do you think they opened with this? I I actually saw them. I, I, <laughs> I just I remember watch. I only watched them play for about twenty minutes. It, it gets a very monotonous. And when I watch them, I was like, and I'm not. I don't know their catalogs. I don't know really. I'm not a. I'm not familiar with them. But it was. Uh, I forget who I drove out with. But it was at the Stone Pony out in Asbury Park, and we. <laughs> We got there and I was like, oh, cool. Napalm death. And it was like, holy shit. Like there's a lot of people here for this. And they played and I was like, yeah, this is not for me. Did they play this song? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They, they open with that. <laughs> you know, you know how like bands sometimes do a, like a light cover of a heavy song. Yeah. We should do a light cover of this song. I wouldn't even, you hit one chord. No. No, we we could make it like five seconds instead of three. Then, so so like I'll say you suffer and you say, but why? Yeah, but then I, here's the thing. Listen to that. Play it again. All right. I don't even hear you suffer. I don't even hear it. I hear. Why. I think they're. I think they're both yelling at the same time. That's why it sounds all jabbled. Oh, or that's oh. why it sounds all mixed up. Okay. Yeah, okay, that, I, I did some thinking about this today, and and I read all the comments in YouTube. So, you know, <laughs> yo, YouTube comment sections are the best, especially under Sopranos videos. They're really funny. I have never watched Sopranos on YouTube. I've never actually looked for a clip out there on YouTube. Have you watched the first and last episode of the series run? <laughs> yeah. Actually, what did you say the other day? It was I was cracking up about it. We were like, our show is now boiled down to corn, Costco, and what was the other thing? YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this. Yeah. They, we were laughing because corn keeps coming up so much in in the show now. I and yo, I keep watching that corn video at Woodstock '99. Like I watched the. That? Yeah, I watched the beginning and watched Blind kick in. I I'm gonna end up liking corn again, dude. I'm telling you right now, that first part where then he's like that, are you ready? The fucking crowd. It is insane to see. It is a sea of people all jumping in unison. And in my head, I'm going like, if you were on the outskirts of that, could you actually, I don't know if it was, that was 99 wasn't the muddy one. That was 94. Could you feel that? Like, cause that's an, that's a huge amount of weight hitting the ground simultaneously. Like, yeah. I wonder if you could actually, it almost felt like an earthquake, I would assume. Like, or like, you, you must be able to. Yeah. Cause the whole, the crowd is unbelievably big and they're all jumping up and down. It looks like a wave, like a giant wave pool. Remember yeah. wave pools at water parks? It's oh, like yeah. that. So, and this is now the show about corn, Costco, and YouTube. And just YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I can't. You know what? I'm, I'm okay with that. 
I'm bought in, dude. I, I fucking yeah. love all those three things. <laughs> if uh, if we're ever talking to somebody and we've run out of shit to talk to, let's just bring it back to Corn, Costco, and whatever YouTube video we last watched. What are your thoughts on Fieldy's playing style? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, I think we made fun of him once, but then I, again, I went down another YouTube rabbit hole, and he oh. shows you how to play... Uh, Got the Life? Yeah! I've seen that one. Yeah. Dude, that he's good, man. Yeah, he's a good I, player. I gotta give it to him. You know, that part where he's like boom ba beam beam ba doom beam ba boom like that's good. Yeah. He's yeah, and he's got a very weird style that n- nobody else has really kind of touched before. And I that I mean, let's just put it this way. When I saw him play, I was like, is he actually playing? Because you remember he used to like lean down. Yeah. And like his the base was like all like it was almost at his it was below his knees. Um yeah. but no one really i never saw anybody play bass like that before so i'll give him credit where credit's due that is definitely an, a very interesting and kind of innovative way to play i've never seen that before right i think and we were talking about this with brad i they're like corn is almost like a metal red hot chili peppers that okay. style of music sprung from all the like funk metal or like funk california funk type alternative stuff that was coming yeah, out yeah yeah they, had, they, they were in a band before that called lapd i never really checked them out i should do that don't you go know down what that YouTube. stands for no love and peace dude <laughs> i'm serious does it really yeah oh really i never knew that i, I, have I to, i'm I, gonna I, go down a youtube rabbit hole with that one tonight people have talked i think i may have listened to them before but i don't remember and this is good because for the second week in a row i can write that we talked about corn yeah. In the uh, podcast description. Yeah. Always add corn. Even if we don't. Make people listen to it. We should have a member of corn on the show and talk about corn with them. But like as if they're not in the band. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, the one guy does uh, a lot of speaking engagements now because he's like a um, born again Christian. Is that the, isn't he a recovery dude too? I don't know. I know. Or just a born again. I th- I'm actually not really sure. I just know that I was at my mom's house one time and my stepfather is a very big Fox News guy and he was on Fox News talking about something. And is I was he like, like a right wing weirdo? No, but I think he's a, he's a real big Jeebus guy. He's like a big Jesus freak. I can deal with that. I can, I, with, I can deal. Look, I can deal with pretty much anything at this point. Like, I don't. I, nothing's going to kind of turn me off on you unless you're like fucking white power or like a fucking yeah. Holocaust denier, <laughs> like some yeah. shit like that. I don't want any any of that stuff anywhere near us. So I'll even, enga- dude. I engage with people when they tell me that they think nine eleven was a fucking conspiracy. I'm like, I'll fucking li- like. I want to hear what you got to say, like because I think it's insane that you think that. But let me hear your. Let me list off. Like, give me reasons. I would listen to it on the show because it might be entertaining to hear. Oh yeah. But probably not on my own time. On my own see on my own time I like that because you can watch people's faces and you can like kind of see where they're going with it and ch- how their body language changes. Like uh, we have a mutual friend uh you and I that is big into aliens currently. Yes. And constantly sends me things about aliens and I'm like He's like, did you watch that thing about Bob Lazar? And I'm like, no. 
<laughs> but I'll listen to you talk about it. What do you got? <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know. You tell me what you learned from it because I like, it's, it's so, it's so off the wall to me, but like when I hear people talk about it, it's like, okay, I, I get it. I get why you think certain things, but at the same time, it's like, you have to come to a point where you just go, all right, how many people work at area 51? And this is what destroyed their argument when they was talking to them about this, like in person. And I was like, how many people work there? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, let's Google it. And they Googled it and they were like, Oh, it's about 785 people or whatever the number was. I don't remember, but it was like almost a thousand people. I'm like, okay. So those fucking thousand people have families. You think not a single one of them went home and was like, yo, I fucking saw an alien today. Like you really think that that fucking doesn't happen? Like that the truth eventually wouldn't leak out? People are not good. Here's what I think. I think they found aliens in Roswell potentially and used that stuff they found to build other stuff. And right now it's probably just a research facility. So there might have been cool stuff there back in the day, but probably not so much now. Okay, so they just adapted technology from what? Yeah, okay. that's what I think. I'm having a hard time right now. And if I'm being brutally honest, this is, I made really, really, I, I, I normally don't make them like this, but I made fajitas for dinner tonight <laughs> and I cut up a jalapeno pepper. And right before I went on to the record this, I peed. Oh no. And I'm, I'm, I'm like in agony right now and I'm trying to stay still and I'm trying to stay focused. But in my head, I'm like, what a fucking bonehead move. <laughs> That's like a rookie, that's like a real rookie jalapeno move. Dude, not smart. Not smart for a bunch of different, and I just touched my eye like an, like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and it's like, it, that one's finally, my eye feels better now. Because it like tears up and like kind of smushes that, like it, it kind of like drains out whatever oils that you pushed in there. Yeah. Uh, my junk not having the same fucking reaction right now. It's fucking, it, I'm, I'm like rocking in my seat at this point. <laughs> Well, lucky for you, we're out of time. You can go <laughs> sit in some ice or something. But listen, before I go, we really need some more Apple Podcast reviews. If you like the show, give us a review. However many stars you want, say whatever you want, good or bad. We just need the reviews. Check out our, subscribe to our new playlist, uh, Northeast Scene 2021. We're going to have all of our guests for this year in there, plus other stuff we like. On Spotify. And, yeah, and continue to write us, and we'll share your experiences on the air. So thanks, everyone who's written us. Uh, thanks, everybody who's listening to us. You know, a lot of new people have been re reaching out and saying that they really like what we're doing, and that's the, that's the fucking best. Like Philip said from Caspian, that's why we do this, and that's why we do this. Like, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. That's it for this week. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next time.